Dying Alive is brought to you by GameTime, your new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. Did you know that Penguin tickets, uh, prices tend to drop right before the game starts? GameTime tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, then shows you all the best last-minute deals with prices up to 60% off. More than 12 million fans have downloaded the GameTime app and discovered the fastest, easiest way to get into the game. Let's say you're traveling to New York. You're going to go see the Penguins play the Islanders. You're looking to get tickets as soon as you get there. You go to the Game Time app. You're worried that you're going to get one of those crazy basketball seats that gives you a restricted view of the ice. Don't worry because Game Time has in-app panoramic seat view photos from every section in the arena. The app is simple, quick, and easy to navigate. So head on over to the App Store or the Play Store now to download Game Time and score awesome deals on last-minute tickets. Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's almost hunting season, so I hope you got your motorcycles ready. This week on the Dying Alive show, first periods are all canceled. All first periods are canceled moving forward. Sidney Crosby's hurt, and we're kind of freaking out about it. And we'll recap uh, the uh, recent run of games and what's to come. It's Dying Alive. Jesse Marshall from the Athletic Pittsburgh. Joined, as always, by my friends, Patrick Damp. Say hello, Patrick. You just coughed. Might as well jump in. Was that you? Uh, that was me. Sorry. There we go. Hey, guys. Uh, Hi, Pat. <laughs> to, the, to the guy who coughed, I just want to uh, offer up a very sincere, heartfelt congratulations to our other panelist. It's not really a being... panelist. I think we what? could probably, probably start there. He's, he's a He's going to the three co-hosts, maybe that could work too. Is this? A, I mean, I don't. I don't view this. I don't view this show as any type of educational panel. I refer. I referred to uh, us as panelists last week when I or two weeks ago when I said I was the third to be recording with a compromised immune system. <laughs> why are you congratulating Mike? Yeah, why am I being congratulated? Uh, Mike's favorite NHL player played his one thousandth game this evening. Yes, he did. Yes, so he congratulations did. to you and congratulations to Corey Perry on 1,000 NHL games. This is huge. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate it. <laughs> you worked so hard, Mike. I did. I had, <laughs> such a big, I had such a big part in this happening. That's Mike Darnay of Pennsburg, by the way. We should formally say hello for uh, anyone that doesn't listen to the show. I do, um, I, do, I do feel like introducing myself with a cough kind of fits my mold of the first year we had. Yeah, I did have. I, I mentioned earlier that uh, in the year that I thought there was a bit of a mesothelioma scare going on, and I, I fully felt that perhaps we were entitled to financial compensation. I think I'm healthy now, finally. Hey, and you know what? We can. We and can we well, can. you know, even if you weren't, Mike, you ruined any chance of a lawsuit by just admitting that on the show. <laughs> so, Pat, maybe get to editing that post haste. Well, and we can add, we can um, add this post haste if I'm incorrect. But Jesse, one take has stopped saying the episode number. At the top of the show, but congratulations to us. This is episode 40. Oh, wow. All right. <laughs> what an inconsequential <laughs> number. It's a nice round number. <laughs> this is 43. <laughs> <Yeah>. Everyone's favorite <laughs> Washington um, Capital, number 43. Let's just dive right into it here. Uh, Sidney Crosby, uh, as reported by uh, Rob Rossi of the Athletic.com, uh, is facing. Uh, a crossroads here for a sports hernia. Um, options include uh, steroid shot, you know, possible uh, rehabilitation, uh, which 
prolongs a surgery, um, you know, potentially allows them to play through it, but prolongs the surgery and then always throws you, I think, at, at risk of further damage or just simply doing the surgery uh, with an estimated timetable on that of four to six weeks. I don't want to insult any player that's been hurt because I think that Chris Letang and Vigeny Malkin, et cetera, et cetera, are all um, uh, important cogs in the machine. But there's something different about this one uh, because, A, it's the captain, and, B, uh, he was playing some pretty good hockey. And it's been a long time since he has faced an injury to, that would sideline him for more than just a couple games. Yeah, and it also kind of speaks to the level that Sid's on even at this point in his career, that he's been playing so well. If Rossi's reports are fully accurate, that he's been battling it since the start of the season, and the fact that he's played at the level he's played at through a sports hernia is nothing short of incredible. I'm kind of surprised. Um, I mean, with the regularity that you see sports hernia surgeries at the end of the season for guys all around the league, I'm surprised with the way that he plays that this hasn't come up as an injury before for him. Well, I mean, you could probably, I mean, look, you, eh, soft tissue injuries, you know, aren't necessarily preventable. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's, I mean, look, I mean, at the end of the day, I think, it, you know, he's just, he's a freak. Yeah. I mean, that's really what it comes down to. Um, individual points percentage wise uh, and taking a look at, you know, who's accounting for what and, and who's getting a point on, on uh, goals that are scored when a player's on the ice. Uh, Sidney Crosby was like crank. I think he had a point on like 95% of every goal that was scored when he was on the ice this season. Um, you take that kind of a player out of the lineup and it's pretty easy to see why I thought anyway, uh, that newfound uh, line of, of McCann um, alongside Gensel on that top unit kind of got worked last night a little bit. Um, we'll get into the New York game in a second, but um, what's our, what's, how about this on a scale of, of like one to like, what was it? Like 2008 Britney Spears. Is that when she had that meltdown? So, somewhere in that time frame. Where are you on a scale of one to that in, in terms of your panic level? Not that high. Uh, so five. Yeah, I, I was gonna say I was gonna say middle of the road somewhere. In the, yeah, in I'd the probably say five. Range. I'm keep you know, I, it's it's. Don't get me wrong; it's 100 percent a cause for concern. But, um, you, I just you know, it's Pat Pat's mantra of next man up uh, is alive and well with this team. I thought Sam Lafferty was great uh, against the Rangers, so I think that's a good sign. Uh, that he's looking uh, ready to take on some additional minutes, which he'll obviously have to do. Yeah, and and, and um, to add on that, I think getting Jared McCann in an elevated role with the way he's playing right now is key. If, you get while the getting strike while the iron. Yeah, it's hot, like Michael. if this if this injury happened during a point last season where he wasn't playing all that well, your outlook might be a little more dire. Well, my my question is. The big question, I guess you could say, is what does he choose to do here? Does he play through it? Does he get the surgery? Because, at least in my 
opinion, I think it's best he gets the surgery. Because with Geno still in the lineup, hopefully you get Latang back sooner rather than later. You get Hornquist back sooner rather than later. And you still have Geno. So if, if you can look at the Metro division and say, okay, there's three teams that are legitimate threats right now other than the Penguins, and it's Washington, the Islanders, and the Hurricanes. I think if you have if you're without Sid for four to six weeks, Gino plays well, Latang comes back, Hornquist comes back, you stay relatively knock on wood healthy, you can at least keep yourself in okay position to make a run once the calendar flips to twenty twenty. Yeah, and even if you're on the six week end of things, that still puts you around the first of the year. Which isn't terrible and I you know anybody had one, by the way? Um, I've never. I have, nope. but it was so. When they say sports hernia, does that indicate a specific area or? Well, yeah, it, it'd be on one side or the other. Yeah, to on your side. Yeah. So like, abdomen. Right. Or okay, so I had one, but it was in the middle of my abdomen, like above my belly button. That's not a sports hernia. No, it is not. I was yeah. I was born with it, and it got worse, so I had to get it fixed. But um, maybe he's born with it. I was going to say it's a sports hernia. <laughs> Um, yeah, so mine was not a sports not, one, And here's but, the thing, yeah. like to Pat, to your point, you know, it's obviously it's not my body, but I'd get surgery. I'd just get it over with now because that's like, you know, that's a naggy one. That's just, it's not going to go away. Um, well, right. And who, and, and, and then that steroid shot, like, it, it, you know what that does too, is it masks pain. Yeah. And I yeah, think I, that I, if I would, you really would, did your, yourself, a, sorry, I keep going here, but if you really did more damage, would you know? I was. I would vote for the surgery. Well, too. Right, and to build off yeah. what you said, Jesse, who's to say that he doesn't get the surgery? Tries to play through it. What if he aggravates aggravates it so much worse come February, March, and then you're really up the creek? Yeah, and I am trying for the life of me to remember. I know Brooks Orpic has had two, and I know that he played through the first one got the surgery, and then had the other side after that. And I always wondered, you know, causation, correlation, but I always wondered if there was a connection there. It's like yeah. going through one and compensating in some kind of muscular way was, was you know, ultimately doing damage to the other side. But I'll tell you what we don't know anything about, and that's Chris Letang's injury. So, um, you know, Rob obviously with the scoop. Uh, on a shout-out to Rob, by the way, who's had two sports hernias. So, um, we had a, the, the other podcast on the athletic, the other guys, uh, the penultimate podcast, Rob talked about his like surgery and experience on that with Sean Gentilly. So it was uh, insightful for me, uh, cause I've never had, and the only person I know that's had one is, uh, ex pens blog, Rich Miller, um, famously underwent, uh, <laughs> famously underwent sports hernia surgery. Very gritty uh, a couple guy. Years ago. Very gritty guy. Yeah. Very gritty. Gritty guy. I know. Um, but we don't know what's going on with Chris Tank. Um, which in and of itself probably a little bit of a concern, not doing any work. Uh, Mike Sullivan's not really into answering any questions about it, um, I think, as has become the standard for him. Um, Hell, he wouldn't, the, he wouldn't even answer whether Sidney Crosby was going to be out for the second game of the road trip. Yeah, um, so two questions for you guys. Uh, impressions, one on Yuso Ricola in his time in the lineup, and uh, impressions, two, on John Marino uh, in his time kind of a suit or attempting, I guess, to assume the, the uh, Latang role in the uh, team. 
I, I feel positive about Marino especially. I mean, nobody's going to replace Crystal Tang, but I feel like he treaded water well enough in an elevated role. Yeah, and as for Marino, I mean, we've we talked about last week how good he's been and how good he can be. And really, regardless of injury or not, if Marino keeps playing at this level, that's just house money because there was no expectation there. It was really somebody you didn't expect to play that much, if at all, at the NHL level this year, and he's come up and surprised in a way that nobody saw coming. As for Ricola, he's a steady middle-to-bottom pairing defenseman, and if that's what he's doing and he can play at that level, you're getting out of him what you need. Mm. Um, yeah, Yusuf Ricola is kind of like a... Um, I think in my mind, in watching him, he's kind of like a little bit of a wild child. <laughs> he doesn't... Um, he plays that like wide ice style in a very contained area. Um, and it's almost like he's got all this excess energy. He's got to burn off, um, as a result of the rink being smaller. <laughs> so <he's> just, <laughs> I think sometimes he's skating in, in ways that are a little bit extra. Um, and you know, Hey, for all we know, um, maybe it's just a result of not playing all that often. Well, that's, that's, that's um, another thing to keep in mind with you. So yeah, he's also a forward, by the way, yeah, that like too. two weeks ago, but, <laughs> but that's the other thing to keep in mind with Rico is the fact that he's still adjusting to North American ice for the most part. And, um, you know, with, with regards to John Marino, I, I'm, I'm almost like at a point where I'm running out of superlatives. Th- this is a gold mine. It really is cost controlled, young. Um, yeah, th- this is this to me. John Marino right now is better than Ole Mata was his rookie year. It's unbelievable that the Edmonton Oilers gave up on good talent too early. Yeah, that, that's that's very uncharacteristic of them. Well, about that, uh, he wasn't going to resign. He told them that. So the fleecing uh, that the Penguins got. Uh, was more about the Oilers not wanting him to re-enter unrestricted free agency um, and be able to be a collegiate free agent that could sign with anyone after a senior season at Harvard. They wanted to recoup an asset. Um, uh, the, the, the feedback was that he cited two things. Uh, one was the systematic log jam at defense for the Oilers, and the other was a desire to be closer to home. Also, not living in Edmonton. Hard to get farther away. (laughs) So, um, you know, the Oilers, you know, I guess, I don't know if you say to their credit, um, there's got to be something. And this is the thing that I I think it's lost maybe um, in some respect is is this is is just as much recruitment as as anything else. So not to get into like a football comparison, but you got to consider – you know, this is like an Alabama situation for me where Nick Saban is a guy every year that's out recruiting, you know, five-star wide receivers from all across the country. And they're walking into a situation where they know there may be eight or nine guys in front of them uh, and they may not see the field. He's got to be able to sell them on still coming to that school. Um, there's a there's a massaging, I think, sort of a rapport that has to be built between the organization and the prospect so that this kind of thing doesn't happen. Uh, and you're not just having guys walk away from the organization um, and, you know, getting either A, a sixth round pick for them or B, nothing. 
uh, you know, because that relationship's not there. So I'm not saying that I blame the Oilers for him wanting to lead, leave necessarily, but, you know, you got to wonder what kind of PR had to, you know, maybe did or did not occur on the back end that, you know, could have prevented that from happening in the first place. So, so the situation you're saying is, let's say John Marino sees six regulars playing defensemen in front of him. The the job at that point becomes making him feel like there's still a place for him. Yeah. Well, and if I can also extend an olive branch to the Edmonton Oilers, this is, this trade happened in the Ken Holland era as opposed to the Peter Chiarelli era where Chiarelli was fired in January. They hire Holland, and the trade happened in July, I believe. So, you know, if we're looking at the old regime for Edmonton, they probably would have just let him walk. Whereas Holland made it a point to yeah, get an I mean, asset. If, you know, if, that's the thing is if he if there's no convincing him and maybe they did their due diligence and there was nothing they could have done about it, you know, good on them for trying to get something. But they, their loss is, is certainly the Penguins' gain because, you know, um, you know, there, there's a lot to, to still unpack with this kid. And I keep talking about his ability to attack and keep the play alive in the offensive zone. I mean, that's been on display. Um, if you go back and you rewatch the end of that New York Rangers game, the end of regulation, I believe it was, the final shift that the Penguins attacked on, he grabbed a hold of the puck in the defensive zone and just went went to work, skated it through the neutral zone, comes across the blue line, and then sets up a scoring chance as time expires. And you're like, man, he belongs on the top line. Like, what? yeah, and <laughs> How did we get here. Like, and he's, <laughs> and he's only 22 years old. He's played, you know. 16 games. I mean, this is professionally. It's not like he spent last year in, you know, the AHL. He was playing at Harvard. And, I mean, there is something to be said, though, for the fact that he played at Harvard, which is, is I'm like 99% sure that's Hockey East, right? Mm. That's, it, that's arguably the best division in NCAA hockey. Like you're, you're, Yeah, that's what. Harvard... Boston College, Boston University. Well, Ted Donato is also the coach. Um, pretty hell, hell, hell of a good coach. <laughs> yeah, have. so I mean, he, he, the guy has a pretty extensive background in hockey. He's got he had he so. had great coaching at Harvard. He played in a really really good division in NCAA hockey. So he was called upon to be a big part of Harvard's program, and it, it has just it's translated into his professional game. Let's get into this whole first period thing. <laughs> uh, since we've last recorded the show, uh, the Penguins trailed 3-0 after two periods against the New York Islanders. Uh, Jared McCann, Brian Rust, and Evgeny Malkin tie the game. Rust with the winner in overtime. Fast forward to Chicago Saturday. The Penguins fall behind 2-0. Uh, Brian Rust and Jake Gensel again involved in tying the game. Then they win a shootout. Uh Third verse, same as the other ones, uh, when we get into the New York game, abysmally fall behind 2 nothing. In fact, in all of the first period absences that the Penguins have had, that was the worst one. <laughs> no question about it last night. Um, Schultz and McCann tie it. Um, we'll get into the power play in a minute. And then uh, Capo Caco, who I am uh, so disappointed is playing for the Rangers. I Because I, I love him so much. You know, it's just like you want to love him, but... You had to play there. Yeah. Um, 
So anyway, talking point. Third, first periods are they necessary? Discuss. <laughs> so, um, I'm 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 going to say the Penguins are specifically trying to make the fan experience better by giving them extra time to watch the game. I how how could one disagree with that, Michael? Yeah, yeah. It's really it's really a making sure the consumer is happy mentality of where you're getting the most bang for your buck. Absolutely. Um, it's not good for people with cardiovascular. (laughs) What I will say, how how many people do you think turned off the past three games to not see the third period or overtime? Oh, buddy, go through my Twitter mentions. There's thousands (laughs) of them. Thousands of them. What I will say though, of the three, the most impressive to me is the Islanders game because not Boston. Well, we talked about that last week. I know, but if you if you look at it as a force as a force set, would you still take the Islanders out of the out of the group of four? Honestly, I would. I probably still would. Yeah, and, and I probably would too. And, and it's because of how disciplined and stingy the Islanders are defensively. So falling down three nothing to the Islanders <clears throat> and coming back to not only tie it but to win. Is yeah, I mean, I mean, a Barry Trotz coach team up three zero after two periods. More often than not, you can just count on them to lock it down for the rest of the game. Yeah, so like yeah. that—that's—that's the most impressive <laughs> to me. Like, and then on the other Plus end you. of the spectrum, you talk about the Chicago game. They are not at all a good hockey team. So you fall down to them, and it's like, well, you know, if they pick it up here this period, they can easily come back. Well, the Rangers have been blowing leads all year, so um, that's been a problem for them. Well, and then the other thing um, is the Rangers are young for the most part. That's a young team, so y- y- who knows how they're going to play. So it's here's um, here's another talking point: Is Henrik Lundqvist afraid to play the Penguins? I mean, the facts don't lie, <laughs> and you can certainly spin it to make it look that way. Yeah, but all of his his. his Three of his biggest uh, Penguins nemesis weren't nemesis. Nemesis, however you want to, however you want to say it, nemesis were not in the lineup or no longer Penguins. So I don't know what he was afraid of. Crosby was out, Hornquist was out, and Phil Kessel's on Arizona. Yeah. Sarah McLaughlin, in. yeah. Um, I'll tell you who's not Phil Kessel. It's <laughs> oh <laughs> Is that- boy. <laughs> I don't. Uh, I don't want to get into like a, a Kessel Galchenyuk comparison. Um, although you know that everybody's going to do that, and, and it's going to happen for a long time. Impressions, talking point. Alex Galchenyuk hasn't been great. Discuss. Agree. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. <laughs> ha- really, really thorough feedback. Hasn't been great, to be sure. I will say though, in watching the last couple games, I've had time to finally actually sit down and watch games in full the last week he's you mean you mean to tell me we've been doing this goddamn show (laughs) and you haven't watched any games you just been looking at spreadsheets data boy spreadsheets data condensed games all the things that we computer boys here on dying alive need but in watching the games He's getting to scoring areas. He's getting chances. It's just you wonder when is the dam going to burst. But there's also a part of me that says 
I don't know if it will. Spoiler alert. He's not getting chances. I mean, there's some. I mean, my but, main po- my main point of reference for it was the Chicago game. It seemed like every few shifts he had a chance to score, and he either it was when Crawford was still hot or it just wasn't going in for him. But I mean, I'm sure on the whole, it's not great. No, that's the thing is it's not. Um, I did a little case study on the Athletic about it that is forthcoming and uh, goal versus like expected goals, right? Um, Worst player on the team, 13% in the bad uh, relative to the rest of the team in terms of like shot attempt percentage, scoring chances and stuff like that. Um, So you look at the, you look at the goal column and you see a zero there. So you're like, okay, like, well, maybe there's like a process over result discussion to be had here, and boy, there's not. No, it's <laughs> not. If I can ask, though, and Jesse. like, if I could just throw, go, oh, no, please, because you may ask what I'm about to say. This could be like a fun psychic experience for us. How much of that do you think is attributed to the fact that he was hurt to start the year? Okay, that's not what I was going to say, but I, I, you know, there's two things I would point out. Okay, there's okay, yes, that right, the injury which was soft tissue in nature. And obviously the spider bite, which prevented him from rehabbing it. And then think about Dominic Cahoon, right? So Gauchenyuk's played nine games for the Penguins. Isn't that about how long it took Cahoon to figure this thing out? Yeah. Give or take, right? Because I mean, he was pretty bad for the they're first. They're 18 games into the season. And I would say around the 9, 10, 11 game mark is when Cahoon kind of started to figure it out. Yeah, so maybe he's still in this, like, I need to figure this new system out thing. Um, but spin zone, uh, his most common line mates from a forward perspective are Evgeny Malkin, pretty good. Jared McCann, pretty good. Uh, and Brandon Tanev, who we've talked about as great this year. No, that, so, no that's Galchenyuk. Correct. Okay. Yes. Defensively, uh, his most common line mates are Charlton Pedersen. And then there's some Jack Johnson in there too. Um, but, I mean, you look at that and you think, okay, so what that says is he's being deployed as a second line wing with the second pairing defenders, sometimes with Jack Johnson, sometimes with John Marino. It's not a situation where you, you, you think, oh, this is this is a situation he can't succeed in. You know, I mean, like, you know, I, I think quality of teammate matters more than quality of competition. Because quality of competition, that changes, right? Line, you know. Players play on lines when they're on the same team. They play against multiple lines when they're playing another team, right? Like who you're with matters more than who you're against in a lot of cases, especially over the long term. It all, you know, kind of even quality of competition really evens. People don't like hearing that, but it evens out. Um, in this case, it's not a situation where he's being, you know, given this difficult deployment. He's being afforded opportunities, and, and it's when you when you look at the process and you say, "Ooh." There's not a lot of scoring chances in here. That's where you're like, okay, red flag. That to me, anyway, is like, you know, it's like it's like uh, I'm trying to think of like some kind of behavior that would be a red flag for a friend. Uh, actually, I got I, like you wake up in the middle of the night and they're standing over you, just staring at you sleeping. <laughs> I had something I was gonna say, but not for the friend. But holy <laughs> God, Mom, what? 
time. You know, you woke what, up in the middle of the night what, and somebody what was led sitting you, there staring what, what, at what in the world led you to choose that as your red flag? Because I was going to do something relationship-based in the event that my wife listens to the show. I didn't want to, like, you so, know. Something you want to uh, share uh, here? Future Jesse, future Jesse is to thank me for this. <laughs> future, future Jesse will definitely be thankful for that, that segment, I suppose. <laughs> the one thing I was going to say before that, though, is a, a much simpler real-life example for hockey was this past weekend I had a game for my team, and I'm very, like, you know, coaching the 14 and under level, you don't really do a whole ton of line matching and over-strategical things, but I knew the team we were playing, and and one thing I always do is I, just, I roll forward lines. I don't, I, I don't rarely do matchups, rarely say this line goes here, this line goes there. I just roll three lines. And at one point we were down uh one nothing and I double shifted a line and the one kid looks back at me and goes, oh, did we screw up? And I said, No. The line that I see the way they're putting them out, this line is slower, that line is faster. If I put you guys out against the slower line, I like your ability to go out and score. Sure enough, they go out couple shifts later tie the game at one and to what you're saying jesse is coaches and managers do that at the nhl where they try to put a guy like galchenyuk in a position to succeed in both the basic statistics of him not having a goal yet and the analytics showing that his expected goals are up there and they're still not going kind of shows you that they're trying to put him in that that situation to be successful and it's just not working Yeah, well said, Pat. Succinctly put. Uh, do we want to take a quick trip around the National Hockey League? Sure. Why not? Well, well, since this has uh, uh, become a Jersey, blo- uh, Jersey blog part-time, uh, did we look at the Colorado Avalanche Winter Classic jerseys? I don't get it. I thought that they were vomitous. I'm going to be I completely think, honest with you. I think the logo is fine. But just how, not where it's situated. Yeah, the way it's up against the collar, there is no collar. I don't like it. If it was, if it was normally positioned with a normal collar, I think they'd be fine. It, uh, yeah, I think they'd be great in that way. I like the. Logo I was thinking, itself. like, if enough people complain about it, maybe we could get a reboot of it, like they did with like that Sonic, Sonic the Hedgehog movie. <laughs> like, it'd be like, hey guys, we f- you're right. We move this logo down. It's just like, way too high up there. Yeah. It's, yeah. What's our what's, 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 what's that? Winner? The guy who designed it was himself high, and that's why it appears so high on the. Jersey. What's what's that winter clothing company? Patagonia, whatever it is. It, it yeah. looks it yeah. looks like one of those quarter zips, like. Like what are we doing here? Yeah. Um, did it, anybody catch Mike Babcock's comment about? Did, but what was the number? Five, I get to get five points every six games. Five points every six games, which so, puts them at a ninety-eight point pace. See if, five out of twelve points in every six games is the and goal. Would like to note that after tonight's loss, they are on a ninety-point pace. So two game, two wins in an overtime loss, two losses, two wins. Overtime loss, two losses. I mean, part of me is wondering if he meant five points out of possible six. 
but I really don't think so. <laughs> well, the math doesn't doesn't lend itself to that situation, Mike. I don't. Think. I, that's what I mean. Like, but five out of twelve is bad. Yeah. From from Mark um, from Mark Masters of TSN. Here is the quote. Okay. We're at the end of our uh, four segments, <laughs> and uh, we'd be set up perfect with twenty four points. That's exactly what uh, we're we're looking for coming in, and so uh, we're two away. We need this. Segments so far. Two two one five three one one seven two two one five two two one five plus question mark. I believe they lost in regulation tonight. And and you know what? I kind of get to a, an extent what he's trying to say. Like if you're trying to bank points early, but it's you're saying the quiet part out loud, like. You're essentially giving your team a permission structure to shut it down on the second half of a back-to-back. Like, that's not what a good coach does. I mean, I mean, five points out of six games is like a forty-two percent success rate. Like, like that. Like, even even giving him even more rope here. If you say that at the very end of like a up and down two three months of the season, where you say like, look, we've banked points, we did this, we did that. You don't say it in advance. Like, you essentially just told the team, if we have a back-to-back, shut it down on game two. Well, the Penguins got a date with them coming up on Saturday night. Um, uh, both teams will have been coming off of the second of uh, – there'll be the second game of, of a back-to-back for both teams. It's in Pittsburgh, which benefits the Penguins. And that'll probably uh, – Penguins – That'll probably be – I don't know if it's his NHL debut or not, but it'll be – most likely they'll be facing in net for Toronto, Casimir Kaskiswo, since they sent and waved oh. down Michael Hutchinson. Yeah, he had been really bad. Yeah. Um, and an interesting dynamic to this is, I think, if you think about this from a pace of play perspective, uh, Friday night the Penguins of the Devils, not particularly um, you know, a super intimidating game. Uh, that night Toronto will be playing Boston uh, so quite the different scenario for each team on Friday going into the second leg or the second half of back-to-back. Um, and uh, it'll be on Hockey Night in Canada, which will be different this week for obvious reasons. Well, what reason is that? Uh, I don't want to spend a lot of time. I'm going to be honest with you. I really don't, I really don't want to spend a lot of time talking about this. I'm only going to mention it because I just think our show is like a bastion of all things good. Yeah, yeah. That, <laughs> we're only shitty that, to each other. Yeah, and that's why I kind of brought it up earlier amongst the three of us. Well, we're also three white men. So, you know, maybe we're not the best people to listen to when it comes to uh, all things race and, uh, you know, related and, and, and all that comes with it. Well, uh, here, here's one thing I'll say. And I said it to a coworker today. Don Cherry could have made his point without othering people. Yeah. He could have said, I look around the greater Toronto area, I look around places in Canada, and as someone who has tremendous respect and admiration for the Canadian military and veterans, I wish more people were wearing poppies today than they had been even a few years ago. And that would have been way more 
understandable, way more acceptable, way more however you want to describe it. It was the fact that he had to turn it into an othering debate of you know, he in his his words of you people. If he doesn't use that and just and says it as a I I respect and admire veterans, the military, especially with Remembrance Day in Canada and Veterans Day in the United States coming up. And when he said it, it was coming up, it's now in the past. That would have worked so much better and played a lot better. But it was the fact that it got turned into the way he phrased it. And it's just, I really think that when Sportsnet made all the cuts that they did over the summer, I really think they were setting it up to where this was going to be Don's last season. And they were going to let him go through the season. At the end of the year, he does a heartfelt goodbye of everything he's had over the last 30, 40 years. He rides off into the sunset. He's remembered as this cultural icon and somebody who was a huge part of the hockey lexicon for decades. But it just, that was a bridge too far. Anything to add, Michael? Not really. I think that summed it up pretty well. Well, then you know what time it is. All right. Uh, Let's see what we got here. Uh, Hammer asks, what do you think is Jim Rutherford's average bedtime? I think it's late, man. To be honest with you, I think he's like a 12-15er. Yeah, and remember the uh, Carl Hagelin trade. That happened very late night. I think it happened post-midnight. Yeah, yeah I, I feel like he probably gets a little nap in, so then he's up late. I think the uh, Scuderi Daily trade was like a 10-30er. He's a, yeah, I, I agree with Mike. I think he's a big nap guy. Oh, dude, he's taking a power nap in the afternoon. Guarantee like, you like that. A, Guarantee like, that. Like a like a five thirty to six thirty nap. Oh yeah, pre game, pre game, pre trade nap. No doubt about it. Uh, let's see what else we got here. Danzer asks, best hoagie, Italian, American. Stop! Just stop after the first one. What's stop? Italian. I gotta ask, what's what's an American hoagie? Yeah, I'm, I'm legitimately know. curious. Okay, so maybe it, says, it has like bologna and ham on it. So the fire up the so old the Google machine is, here while you guys finish Italian, the question. Italian, American, Turkey, or ham and Swiss. I mean, it's Italian. The answer is still Italian. Give me extra cap too while you're at it. I'm I'm gonna ask for a triangle battleship. Okay, so according to uh, Grub, what uh, is a triangle battleship. Whoa, 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 whoa. Is this a serious question? Yeah. Are you telling me you've never had a battleship in Triangle in Swissvale? No. Oh, hey, Mike. Jesus Christ. When am I going to Swissvale, buddy? Let me ask you that question. Hey, when, when in my travels in the West End <laughs> am I popping off in All Swissvale? Right. Okay. Pat, are you going to back me up here? It's very good. Okay. But, uh, but according to Grubhub. You say it like it's some kind of like household name. I'm, like, I've, I've literally never heard of this okay. before. I'm embarrassed for according you. To, okay. According, according to Grubhub here. An American hoagie is ham, capicola, cooked salami, and American cheese prepared in a fresh Italian roll with lettuce, tomato, onion, and a choice of sauce. That sounds that good. actually does. It, just, it sounds real good. Yeah. yeah. Well, I'm still going Italian. Though. 100%. Uh, let's see here. 
Mark asks, what's the biggest heel turn in Pittsburgh sports history? He mentions easy choices are Yarmer Yager to Philadelphia, James Harrison to New England, and says that Craig Adams probably deserves it too for fighting Evgeny Malkin and doing nothing else in his time here. <laughs> I'm going to go with Marion Hosa. Hosa's a good one yeah. because it, he went public with it. Like, there was no real... Uh... <clears throat> I mean, the, the fact that he went public with it and they played one another in the final the following year makes the heel story really good. Um, James Harrison is a good one because he went to New England. They went to the Super Bowl and lost. Yeah, but he didn't play a ton. No, but there was that shot of him walking off the field with confetti coming down around him. Oh, yeah. Um, it's because I'm too young, but uh, the early 90s Pirates, who was it that played for them and then the Braves? Don't know. Not a baseball I, guy. I don't know either. Uh, someone will tweet us, hopefully. Yeah. Um, let's see. Full Rossi asks, would you trade a first-round pick, Alex Galchenyuk, Casey DeSmith, and a conditional second the condition is on re-signing for a rental Taylor Hall. I find it hard to answer that question right now because I don't know what shape the Penguins are going to be in when the time comes for that deal to take place. You know, if it were to happen in say like, you know, February, I don't know where they're at in the standings. And I am going to say it will never happen because Ray Shiro would never trade Taylor Hall to the Penguins. Uh, I don't know that I agree with that part. No. Yeah, mm-hmm. I, I don't either. Mainly because the Devils aren't going to be anything this year. And I think by all accounts, Taylor Hall is, without explicitly saying it, his agent has pretty much inferred that he's not going to re-sign there. And I think if that's the package, now I think there's teams that are better suited to send a more lucrative deal for Taylor Hall. Yeah. But, I mean... If that's on the table and Shiro's up for it, hell yeah, I'll make that trade, especially if they're in a position come February to make another run at the Cup. Make sure you just play him on the right side that he belongs on. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Michael asks, more likely to be traded, Alex Galchenyuk or Nick Bugstad? Nick Bugstad. Yeah, Bugstad. I think you can get more of a return for him because he's younger. There's more of an upside there. Yeah, he's a center. Um, Michael also asks, Ocean City, New Jersey, or Ocean City, Maryland? I just try to stay out of New Jersey, I'm going to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> no reason uh, for him to be there. I was in Ocean Smells City. terrible. I, I was in Ocean City, Maryland like five years ago. I was in Ocean City, New Jersey two summers ago. I enjoyed Ocean City, New Jersey and how peaceful it was. Offboard pick. Hmm. Hilton Head. Way better than both. North Myrtle. Good choice, too. Um, Andy asks, can I give Sidney Crosby my non-herniated pelvis to replace his? I'm interested in details. <laughs> I mean, go for it. You don't need our permission. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I'll have, I'll try to middleman the negotiation if possible. 
Oh, Mike knows a guy who deals in who deals yeah. In yeah. black who, market houses. Who doesn't? Uh, let's see. Matt Cause asks, what Thanksgiving meal would you have if you couldn't or didn't want the traditional turkey stuffing, etc.? So I can replace it with whatever I want, is what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. If like, you, if, my, if you weren't my, up, if you my Bizarro Thanksgiving? Yeah, pretty much. I'm going with Chinese buffet. Oh, that's a nice pick. Yeah, oh, you can eat. I would probably go with a big steak. Yeah, I'd probably do something like either a steak or like some kind of like really good chicken recipe. Yeah. But I just I, uh, I love Thanksgiving dinner so much. It's it, I it do is. too. So I will never not want turkey and stuffing. People on people watch the people listening to this can't see Pat's face, but he was so genuine when he said that. <laughs> it's my favorite holiday. It, it, I've ne- yeah. He literally was like he lit up. It, he was, it was like I love Thanksgiving dinner. It was like a kid on Christmas. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's my favorite holiday. It, it like like you know that face when kids come down the stairs and they see the Christmas presents under the tree. That was yeah. that was Pat talking about Thanksgiving. Dude, just it, now. It, it here's why. It it <coughs> is Christmas without the pressure of Christmas. You don't gotta convince me. I'm all aboard. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm already ready right now. I'm ready to go. <laughs> Crack that turkey open. Let's get it. Uh Zayed asks, how big of a hole does Crosby leave on the team if he goes through with his surgery? Can Malkin Did become he- a true number one center again like we have seen in the past and do the penguins make any trades or just ride the depth the whole crosby would leave in the lineup is the equivalent of 137 sinkholes now how many buses get stuck in said sinkholes 137 it's a one-to-one bus ratio (laughs) (laughs) i'm just saying there might be some sinkholes that fall in and it's a car or two pat buses and no i'm talking about this one specific sinkhole like as it as a unit of measurement, there's 137 of those that leave the that's the Crosby void. Tough day. 137. Tough day for Port Authority. Then tough day. Uh, similar question here. Tony asks, "Do you think Crosby should elect for surgery, or do you think he should do therapy so he's back quicker but risk surgery later in the season?" No, we kind of went over that. I, yeah, we kind of all agreed surgery was probably the better choice. Yeah. Um, his follow-up was, have you considered making a Dying Alive Discord server? And I don't know what that means. Discord's basically an app. It's like um, where you have like a chat room up all the time. Oh, oh so it's, it's basically a chat room that never closes. So it's a message board, um, basically. I would, no, I would, no, it's I not a message board, Pat. It's like, <laughs> no, 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 I'm glad you point that out, though, because Discord, like, here's how I know what Discord is. Like, I joined, so I listen, I'm a big, ad, you know, I love football. Premier League football. I listen to the, the, the football ramble every week, um, and they have a Discord. So you join it, and it's like the guys from the show pop in the Discord and just talk with people. It's just people like literally are on the app. It's like WhatsApp, basically. Oh, all right, I got it. Yeah, it's like WhatsApp, but basically it's like a channel that's dedicated to dying alive. So it's all like, it's all like we live would give all out the time. permission to. Yeah, it's always up. So like you basically have a guy like you know to reference a fan Morgan. Would be in there just talking shit on Pat the entire take twenty four hours a day. He would never. 
So, so, so by like, the way, let me get this in because Laura, uh, Laura transcribes all of our shows and keeps a running per 60 meter of certain things that we say and or do. Uh, Pat is short jokes are uh, there's 11.6 per hour right now. They're <laughs> by and far the leader. Um, we have not said whilst once this whole year. Well, who's Mike. among us? And we had maybe one whoops prior to this. Well, we got two in this episode now. Right. And then and two wilfs as well. <laughs> so I just wanted to work those in. Say wilfs again. Wilst. Throw your hat, Mike. I Throw inf- your hat. I want to inflate the data a little bit and affect the results. These goddamn scorekeepers, they don't count anything these days. Um, Regular hit blocks over here. Uh, so Devin asks if I accidentally call 911 while my phone is in my pocket will they call me back I feel like that was a very pointed question to one person who would that be couldn't be me definitely <clears throat> wasn't me because Devin didn't let me know she was coming back to Pittsburgh oh. yeah same hate to see nice, nice dig um, but yes that did happen to me my phone was in my back pocket I was in the backseat of a car did not realize I was hitting the SOS button combination on my phone. Um, couldn't reach my phone. Got out of the car and I had a voicemail from Allegheny County 911 reminding me that if I do have an emergency, I can call back to 911. It's good. Yeah. Good for, good for them. I was like, oh, I have a missed call. Oh, I have a voicemail too. Let me see who it's from. Oh, whoops. <laughs> so, so, yeah, that happened. Um, I feel like this answer is going to be unanimous, but Cole Del Vecchio asks, which Penguin player would be voted most likely to chug beers after the game? Oh, Brian Dumoulin. Absolutely. Put down three at once. Is this a question? Absolutely. Agree. Let's see. This isn't necessarily a question, but Eric says last week a request was made of him in response to a question. Halloween was over, but since his wife, Judy, is awesome, he has some zombie Skittles. If we are willing to try them while we're recording a future episode, we got to slide into the DMs with an address, and he will get them oh, our way. I am sending Eric my address. I will eat the zombie Skittles and live on the show. We will all have to do it at the same time. I agree. Yep. I'm not giving any to you. I'm, I'm going to eat all of them. I'm going to slide into the DMs also. So There's only one bag. I believe I'm guessing Eric has some Ziplocs. <laughs> I don't. <laughs> I get a, a Ziploc bag of Skittles hanging out of my mailbox when I get home from work one day. Yeah, it won't look suspicious at all. Anyway, I want to um, also real quick. I want to say how disappointed I am by how many videos I saw of like people going to houses on trick or treating and like parents. Like so, nobody was home, so they left a ba- like a basket out with candy in it, and parents would go up and take all the candy out of the basket and dump it in their kid's bag. And that's so horrible. Good. That's just horrible. so disappointing to me. Terrible. Like I, so I many videos, and I it's not, not kids. See. That's the I, thing is, like the teens or whatever, are like the people that you would assume would be the ones that was stealing all the candy. Like they were not the ones. They were like all the videos montages were like shit. Parents doing it. That's so. Terrible. I just want to shame those people publicly. Yeah, I agree. Thank you. Uh, uh, <laughs> I got two more. Uh, Morgan, previously mentioned, 
uh, asks, if the Penguins held a Royal Rumble match, who wins? And Jesse did ask for clarification if we're talking current or all-time, and he said this is all-time. Uh, I, I've thought long and hard about this, and my initial answer was going to be Steve Durbano, who is one of the baddest dudes of all time. Uh, really just like kind of like terrorized people in fights. But then there's a size disadvantage here, and he used to feud all the time with Battleship Bob Kelly, and I'm thinking in a Royal Rumble, you got to put people over the top rope, right? And it's really hard. You know, that's a hard thing to do to a tall guy. So I'm going with Bob Kelly, Battleship Bob Kelly. It's sad that that was also where my first thought was going, Jesse. I also thought about doing Harold Priestley Gil the Third. I'm going to say um, Darius Kasparaitis. It's a good one. Yeah. Probably low blow you or something. Yeah. He like, I counter, I counter your Kasparaitis with an Ulf. Yeah. yeah. I mean, imagine if it came down to those two head to head. And and I was also, I was, after Battleship, I was also going to say Ulf because you think Ulf ain't going to fight dirty in a Royal Rumble? Ulf's going to yeah. fight dirty in a Royal Rumble, baby. <laughs> but he won't go knee to knee on purpose because he never would do that. He never has done that, never would do that. To this, was, I, I know I've said was, this on the show hit. before. It was a clean and, hit. And we got to get video of it one day because I'm going to mention this again before it's all said and done. Uh, but there's the uh, clip that the Penguins media had um, from the local channel where they interviewed Alf about the hit afterwards, and he he takes his hand and kind of like slicks his hair back as he answers, you know, just sort of like runs the old hand through the hair, and he's like, oh, I don't know, you know, I looked at the video, and it like just start as soon as he says I looked at the video, I just start cracking up because like, the way he's saying it is just so not Alf. You know, and, and you could tell he's like being all political about it and playing the game because that was the point where you know Mike Milbury had already lost his mind. So, did you ever see the uh, did you ever, the 1993 season video that the Penguins put out the VHS? I can't remember what I think it was called. Shit, I can't remember what it was called. But I remember like they did a small feature on Alf Samuelson and they like did the whole like human interest part of it. And he was talking about having a son and how, like, they were like, yeah, Ulf always takes penalties. And Ulf was like, yeah, anytime he uh, watches games, he sees me in the box and instantly knows it's dead. That's good. That was also one of my favorite human interest pieces from Penguin's VHS days. Rick Tockett making spaghetti. Oh, that one, I was. I thought you were gonna go with Sean McEachern playing guitar. <laughs> no, no, Rick Tockett making spaghetti, and it's just like, imagine he's in this small, like tiny little kitchen in this apartment. And he's like, all right, so you uh, basically here, you boil a little water, put some salt in it, <laughs> put some salt in there. You're gonna really throw the noodles in down, stir that up. You know, let that sit for a minute. I like my noodles real crispier, guys. You know, I don't want them in there too long. <laughs> I remember every part of it, too. It's, it's like, so sad. Yeah, it's just amazing. It's just Rick talking, making spaghetti. <laughs> oh, man. If you, I'm sure it's on YouTube somewhere. You guys got Toughest guy up. in the world, you know, broken jaw and all, like just whipping up a little pasta here. Uh, last question, and you might want – I don't know if you want to think about this to give an answer next week maybe because this is a good question from Kevin Reuter says, if you could be any character in a movie or TV show in real life, who would you be? In this hypothetical question, 
you would also be living in the world of that character. That's such an infinite question. Yeah, see, like, I thought about it. I, know, I, have, a, I have a few potential answers, but I don't want to die, and I also don't necessarily want to be a bad guy. I don't know. While you guys are thinking about it, though, um, let me play a little something that might jog your memory here. Okay, I got, uh, just came back from practice, and I have uh, about an hour to kill here. I got to make the old bachelor meal. This is the uh, hockey p- player staple meal is the spaghetti. Got to get the water boiling, which is pretty simple. Spaghetti sauce. That uh, is very important to Rick Tockett's meal. Basically, I just want to point out the fact that the micro- you microwave the spaghetti sauce. <laughs> and he makes the, the cardinal sin among Italians taking all the spaghetti and breaking it in half <laughs> it in the pot whoa, to cook. Whoa, hey, I do that. Okay, stop. No. Pat Pat is canceled. <laughs> but you buy the right kind of spaghetti, you do that, it makes it even better. My grandmother is rolling over. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so back to the question. Um, I mean, how do you not answer John Wick? I've never seen a John Wick movie. Me either. Shocking. Um, <clears throat> I don't know, man. I, I, see, see, like, I have, I have a couple thoughts here. I, I'm going gonna, gonna to talk through them out loud here, and you can tell me what you think. My first thought was Walter White, because he's badass. But I don't want to die. And I don't want to be a bad guy. Yeah, you don't want to die. My, my second thought is Andy Dufresne, but I don't want to go to prison. Yeah, a lot of bad stuff happening in Dufresne in prison, Mike. I'm just going to remind you. So. <laughs> <laughs> Stunned you've seen that movie. Shut the fuck I'm, up. I'm going with, um, you know, I'm, I'm going to go with, like, Seinfeld or something. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pivot hard for my final answer. It's gonna be Kevin McAllister from Home Alone. Okay. You want to go through the traumatic experience of having your parents abandon you for several days? Yeah, and then owning and then, him and then owning a couple assholes who try to break into my house. Have you ever Have you ever watched uh, Honest Trailers on YouTube? No, Jesse. Uh, I don't know if I have. They basically just take classic movies, classic TV shows, and cut their own trailers for them. And they do one for Home Alone where it's like, watch this 90s family comedy where for 90 minutes a young child takes a spiral into sociopathic behavior and for an hour and a half tortures two stupid robbers. It's so fucking good. It's like, dude, it's so funny. And it captured the movie perfectly. I think I've seen that. Um, I mean... The three of us could also uh, all just agree, since it's a movie the three of us have seen, we just be the team from Beer Fest. Uh, yeah, I won't argue with that. Is that all we got? I believe that is it. All right. Uh, anything to plug? I'd like to plug Minka Fitzpatrick. 
I'll tell you what I don't want to plug is the Steelers and Pitt playing at the same time tomorrow. That's, I mean, I'm not a Pitt guy, <laughs> you are, but that's just incompetent. Yeah, it's it makes me sad because McAfee's on the call for the Pitt game, but um, obviously it, it would even be different. It would even be different if Pitt was on the road and the Steelers were on the road. But the fact that Pitt has a home game and the Steelers are playing at the same time is. And I've I've loved Pat McAfee on Thursday night college football, and I've watched every or tr- he's been tried to watch really as good. many as I can. But I'm obviously not going to watch it tomorrow night. So I'm going to watch Steelers. Uh, one thing I do want to plug for sure: we talked about it a little bit uh, earlier in the pod. The Penguins power play. Good piece on Penn's blog from the last week from Jeff. He did a really good breakdown of the Penguins' power play, why it struggled. Spoiler alert, sort of. Uh, a lot of it has to do with not having Phil Kessel anymore. <laughs> wow, surprise. And I was going to say, and lastly, uh, I've put it on, it's my pinned tweet on Twitter. I've had it on Facebook for a couple days. I'm doing a November fundraiser for mental health and suicide awareness. So if you got a couple extra bucks, donate it to that. It's a really important cause to me. I know Jesse's big on mental health as well. So just something that in a month where, you know, there's something we can try to do better at, let's try to do better. Got some goodies on Alex Gauchenia coming your guys' way, so stay tuned for that on The Athletic as well. And thank you again for listening to the Dying Alive podcast. We certainly appreciate your questions, your correspondences, uh, your interactions on the Twitter. Catch us at at dying pod say goodbye pat goodbye pat say goodbye mike see ya